I was thinking about uh, coming to church and what preacher was saying about the liberties we have in America in spite of our circumstances. We were making calls to our foreign missionaries, specifically our national missionaries in the various countries around the world. We were speaking with Mircea and Christian Renella, uh, Renella Christian, pardon me, and uh, they're in Romania. And they can't even step outside the door of their house without having government papers uh, proven them to step outside in public. And uh, so in spite of the circumstances and the lockdown and our situations here, uh, we still have liberties that many of the countries around the world don't have. Uh, the state of Oregon, I have several pastor friends that are there, and um, the state of Oregon is still on lockdown. In fact, the city of Portland has closed, they're trying to close the doors of the churches uh, through all of this. They will not let them gather in any shape, form, or fashion. And they have filed several of the churches, not just the ones that we know, but collectively, uh, the churches have filed a lawsuit against the government and the city. So there's a fight going on uh, in our country in spite of the liberties that we have, and uh, there are several restrictions that are taking place that are impacting our country. And uh, so I'm grateful that uh, here we're able to meet this morning. And, the, and I want to say this, I rarely get into any political statements or anything unless we're preaching on America and the circumstances we're in or some um, American rally or something of that nature. Uh, but I thank God we've got a governor who is sensitive to the churches and our state and allow us to meet and together. We do ask you to pray. Our missionaries are doing well. God has opened some unique opportunities. Maybe we'll share some of those with you at another time. But if you have your Bible this morning, let's take and go to the book of Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 7. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 7. I'm so grateful for the grace of God and for the opportunity to be able to be of service to our church and specifically to our pastor. And I've said this often and I hope that uh, you don't take it for granted as a church, but we do love our church and uh, brag about our church all over the place and uh, grateful and honored to be able to be here. And I believe that in the last days in which we're living, I believe the uh, rapture is to take place at any given moment. Wouldn't it be wonderful it happens today? Uh, when we talk about freedom, we'll have more freedom we ever dreamed or imagined. And uh, so thank God for his blessings. Uh, but this morning, I want to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. And if you have your Bible, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of the Scripture with me, please. Ephesians, chapter number 2, and we'll read a very familiar passage of Scripture, verse number 7, if you would, please. <clears throat> Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Our fathers, we bow before you this morning. We sure are grateful for the opportunity to be in church to worship. Lord, I would ask you that you'll continue to help the songs and the testimonies to ring in our heart and cause us to continue to worship throughout this day. And Father, even as you used the song last week to continue to speak to Peggy throughout the week, uh, that I can trust Jesus, thankful that we uh, can trust you under any circumstance, in any place, in any condition of life. I would ask you now that you'll meet every need that's represented in this church this morning and these pews. Lord, you know the needs that are there. No doubt there are needs that others may not know. There are desperate needs in the heart and the mind of your people. And I pray that you'll supply them according to your good pleasure. 
Thank you for, in spite of our circumstances, putting a shout and a testimony in our hearts that we may rejoice this morning. And I would ask you that you'll bless the preaching of thy word. Give us, I pray, the anointing, the touch of God upon our lives. And Lord, I would ask you that you'll bless in every service today. May it be unique and individual. As we come together and worship, may the Spirit of God give great liberty. Continue to bless the singing, the testimonies. And God, I pray that you'll continue to bless our pastor. We thank you for uh, Pastor Gravely and Mr. Leach. I pray your continued hand of blessing upon them, supplying the needs. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us and your kindness. And we especially thank you for your grace this morning. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Notice, if you would please, in our text this morning in Ephesians 2 and verse number 7, that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and Ephesus is one of the last places that Paul will work out of on his three missionary journeys. On his third journey, he based out of Ephesus and continued his work in ministry, and he would never return again to Antioch to report to that church on his third journey. He would go from Ephesus and eventually go into Jerusalem, where he would appear unto Caesar and be found in Rome, where he would be martyred for the witness and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And the church at Ephesus is a very important uh, church in the Scripture. And as we begin to study, Paul is writing this church and he is trying to encourage them. The Ephesians were very near and dear to the Apostle Paul's heart. In fact, it is recorded that Onesimus, uh, that was used to be unprofitable, but became profitable unto the Lord after his conversion to Christ, it is recorded in early church history that as one pastor was passing through that portion of the world that there was one reported by the name of Onesimus who was pastoring a church in uh, the uh, church or the Ephesus area and it's recorded that he said he is now profitable unto the Lord. And though there is no solid history to say that it was Onesimus, it is likely that it was he who Paul said used to be unprofitable, but now is profitable unto the Lord. And this church and this city uh, played an important role in the Apostle Paul's ministry. After he went through afflictions and after he went through divers. Uh, persecutions and things that beset him in his missionary journeys. He comes now to Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 7. He said that in the ages to come, and Paul begins to reflect upon eternity. And I believe part of that is because Paul is knowing that his time is drawing nigh. His time is drawing near when he will append uh, to a young Timothy there in the scriptures that he had fought a good fight, he had kept the faith, and he had finished his course. And Paul is reflecting reflecting into eternity and the future. And he says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Did you catch what Paul was saying to the church at Ephesus? He said that he might show unto us, he said, the exceeding riches of his grace. Thank God for grace this morning. It is as if the Apostle Paul is saying to the Christians at Ephesus, I want to remind you we have a bright future in the ages to come. Not only now in the present, but in the ages to come, we have a hopeful a future, a bright future because of the riches of the grace of God. This morning for just a moment, if I may, I want to speak on this subject matter. Grace covers it all. Thank God for his amazing grace. 
Grace is used 159 times in the Bible. And using the law of first mention, if we were to go to the book of Genesis chapter number 6 and verse number 8 is the first use of the word grace in the entire Bible. And it is a time when God is bringing judgment upon humanity. The Bible said that man had become wicked and vile before God, that the thoughts and the imagination of their heart was continually wicked before God. And God said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. And the Bible says in verse number 8 of Genesis in chapter number 6, thank God for that little transitional three-letter word in the Bible, but... But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. May I say to you this morning, thank God for grace. And when the Bible opens up in judgment, and when God is getting ready to destroy humanity from the face of the earth, there was grace in an hour of need. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. May I say to you this morning that grace always starts with the vilest and the most wicked of sinners. It is grace that converts a sinner and brings them to Christ and grace that sustains them in their Christian walk and into eternity. And then also in the book of Revelation, chapter number 22 and verse number 21, the Bible closes in the closing final text of the Scripture with the grace of God. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thank God for a Bible who starts with grace and ends with grace. And just as in the book of Genesis, when God is bringing judgment upon humanity and one man found grace, in the closing book of the Bible, God is also bringing judgment upon humanity. The woes, the vows, and the trumpet judgments have been released upon mankind. The fearful, the abominable, and God-haters have found their place in the lake of fire. And then John closes it with that verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thank God for grace. What is grace? Grace is when we get what we do not deserve. We don't deserve forgiveness. Thank God we got it at the cross of Christ because of that fountain filled with blood. May I say to you that grace is God's unmerited favor toward man. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 10, but by the grace of God, Paul said, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Amen. The dictionary describes grace as unmerited help given to people by God. Because of his grace, because of his grace through the Lord Jesus Christ, all men everywhere can be saved by the grace of God. And so the Bible says that Paul said, I am what I am because of the grace of God. Now look with me in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not a works, lest any man should boast. As we consider this uh, passage of Scripture, I would like to say first off this morning, uh, grace for every need. Thank God there's grace for salvation. Yeah. 
I'm saved by the marvelous, wonderful, amazing grace of God. When I think about salvation by grace, I've noticed in studying history and uh, the scriptures, as I said, that grace is given often to the vilest of humanity. It is the grace of God that has saved you and I. It is the grace of God that has saved our forefathers, that has saved our family members, our relatives, and those of our loved ones today. I cannot think of the amazing grace of God, the saving grace with God, of God, without thinking of John Newton. John Newton was a vile man. His mother died when he was just six years old. His father was a sailor. And John Newton wanted to be a sailor and follow the footsteps of his father. At 11 years old, he went on his first sailing adventure and became a sailor. And as he got involved in his occupation, he became more viler than one could ever imagine. Not only did he get involved in the slave trade, he himself became a slave of all slaves. And in a violent storm at sea, John Newton standing on the deck of that ship, in a violent storm, a wave came over and pushed Mr. Newton into the briny ocean. Sinking down in the depths of despair, his whole life flashing before him, realizing that he was the vilest of all men, when all of a sudden another wave came along and picked Mr. Newton up from the depths of the sea and placed him right back on deck of that ship in which he'd been swept out to sea. It was then and there that Mr. Newton gave his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was he that would pen those words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was lost. I say to you this morning, thank God for his amazing saving grace this morning. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, chapter number 4 and verse number 4 and 5, now unto him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth, watch this, on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith had counted for righteousness. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Grace can save the vilest of the vilest, the most wicked of the wicked. It seems as if the grace of God, the more vile a man is, the greater the grace of God. For where sin doth abound, the grace of God doth more abound, the Bible says. Thank God for saving grace. Thank God for salvation. I remember when I was a chaplain at the Wyoming State Penitentiary some years ago. In fact, it would have been upwards of 30 or so years ago. I only, not only witnessed to the prisoners and some of the vilest men that I've met was in that institution, from our death row to our maximum security to our lockdown and segregation units. Also witnessed to the officers. And there was an officer by the name of Sam he was a vile man, and he scoffed the gospel. He scoffed my witness. Now, I'd witnessed to him on numerous occasions. One day, walking across the prison yard, 
Sam said, hey, chaplain, can I speak to you for a moment? And I pulled Sam aside. In fact, I uh, pulled him aside and he said, I, I'm needing some of that that you've been telling me about. I said, Sam, are you talking about salvation, forgiveness of sin, the shedding, the cleansing of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, yes, sir, that's what I'm talking about. I said, well, Sam, I've got good news for you. It's still available. I took my Bible and began to share with him how he could be saved and put his faith and trust in Christ. And uh, he looked like a biker. I, I'll not go into the description, but he just gave me the impression that he might have even been a part of the Hell's Angels. He was a very uh, rough type guy in his presentation. And vile mouth, wicked life. And our church had an outing at one of the local city parks. And I told Sam, I said, Sam, I'm going to a church a gathering, and if you need me, I'll leave my phone on. You call me. He wasn't willing to trust Christ there in the prison. I prayed with him and left, and we were in the middle of our church outing, and all of a sudden I hear a Harley coming up the road, and it's running wide open. I looked up, and across the park in the field came a motorcycle. He had his leathers on, and he comes up, and he slides in sideways. He gets off, and... Big Sam walks up. He said, I did it, preacher. I did it. I said, Sam, what did you do? He said, I did what you said. He said, I bowed on my knees where I left that prison. And I asked the God of heaven to forgive me and come into my life. I said, well, Sam, what did he do? He said, well, what do you think he did? He saved me by his marvelous grace. Thank God for saving grace this morning. I am because of the grace of Almighty God. I think of a man by the name of Mr. Basham. I'd witnessed to him on numerous occasions and he would scoff the gospel. In fact, uh, I won't go into all the details because of time. But I got an uh, inmate request form. It's actually called a, a kite. It's where they send them through the mail. They call them kites. And it said, Chaplain, I need to speak to you. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't going to call him out because I... Uh, he had threatened my life and several things. And as I began to put it off, the Holy Ghost of God began to convict me. And I felt like I needed to call him out. So I called him out and I asked an officer to stand by outside my door. And I'm sitting there talking to uh, Mr. Basham. And he said, Preacher, he said, I have been involved in things that you wouldn't understand. And he said, I just want to ask you, sir, are you sure that God would forgive somebody like me? Yeah. And I took my Bible and shared with him the scriptures and how he could be saved. And he said, but preacher, you don't understand what I've done. And after about 45 minutes or an hour or so was a substantial amount of time, Mr. Basham on the other side of my desk sitting in a little metal chair took his feet and put it up on the edge of the chair, buried his, or put his hands around his legs and his knees and buried his head in his lap and he began to pray and beg God to forgive him. When he prayed, he asked God to forgive him for things I'd never even heard of before. He asked God to forgive him for 
things I can't even repeat in this pulpit this morning. And after a substantial amount of prayer, he began to have what I call a, sh a shirt sleeve revival. Tears were flowing down his cheeks. His sinuses had broken loose. That's, uh, that's the kindest way I know to, have, to say it. That snot was slinging everywhere. And he was using one sleeve to wipe the tears and the other one to uh, wipe the, the allergies for you city slickers. <laughs> and it was slinging back and forth as he was praying and I was backing up because I didn't want to get blessed by it. <laughs> he raised his head. I said, Mr. Basham, did you mean business with God? He said, oh, I sure did. He said, I'm saved by the grace of God. He said, preacher, you didn't know it when I came in, but I've been involved in, and my family has 10 generations of the occult and witchcraft and satanic worship. He said, I just got saved, not out of 10 years, but 10 generations of witchcraft. I said, Roger, I didn't mean to give his first name. I said, Roger, what made you come to Christ? Why all of a sudden did you send me a kite and ask to speak to me? And I said, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't even going to call you out to my office. You're so vile. You threatened my life. One time he sent me a, he got so mad at me, he sent me a drawing on an envelope of a, a pistol pointed at me and a revolver and a hammer cocked and a finger on the trigger. And being naive in the ministry as I was back in those days and zealous without knowledge. I wrote him back and said, Roger, you forgot to put bullets in the chamber. <laughs> the next one I got had bullets in the chamber, very predominant bullets in the chamber. It had a stick figure, said Chapman, and a bullet on the way to me. <clears throat> I said, Roger, what made the difference? Why did you all of a sudden want to know about salvation in God? He said, well, preacher, I don't know if you'll understand or not. He said, but for the last year or so, I've tried to cast spells and incantations on you, and we've done everything we can. I've got other witches, and I've written my family, and we've done everything we can to destroy your life, and we couldn't touch you. And I thought, whatever you have is bigger and better and greater than anything I have and I want what you have thank God for grace salvation by grace I'm telling you this morning that grace will reach down to the vilest of the vile the lowest of the low the most wicked of the wicked the grace of God is extended to all humanity for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved I remember and I probably won't even get off my first point this morning that's okay I remember Dr. Garris, the late president of the Rock of Ages, was in a prison, and he was in a lockdown area, death row and other units. <clears throat> there was a particular prisoner that the chaplain told him, said, Dr. Garris, I'd really like for you to talk to this gentleman. I can't tell you who he is or why he's in here, but he really needs to be saved. He's getting ready to be transported back to his country, and he'll be executed, no doubt. Dr. Garris prayed for a substantial amount of time during that revival that week. And he went back and 
began to talk to the gentleman, struck up a conversation with him. They found some common ground. And Dr. Garris was able to lead that man to Christ. He was so broken, so full of repentance. After he had left, the revival was over. The chaplain pulled him aside and he said, Dr. Garris, I didn't want to tell you who that gentleman was or what he was in here for because I did not want it to affect your witness to him. But he said, the man that you just prayed with and led to Christ was Ivan the Terrible. We had put literally thousands upon thousands of Jews to death in the Holocaust. He was transported back to stand trial and be put to death. I'm telling you, the grace of God will save the vilest of all sinners. There is the song, Grace That Is Greater Than Our Sin. And it goes like this, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Thank God for Calvary, for the shed blood of Christ. The refrain, grace and a pardon and cleanse within, grace that is greater than all my sin, sin and despair like a sea wave's cold threaten my soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold points to the refuge of mighty cross. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can we do to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide brighter and whiter than snow we may be today. And the final stanza of that song, Grace Greater Than Our Sin, says, Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe, you that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Grace that covers all of our need. There are several things that I have this morning, but I believe the Lord would have us to stop here. Whatever your need is this morning, I'm here to testify to you on the authority of God's eternal word. Grace can supply the need. If you're here today and you're religious but lost, if you're here today, you're a sinner and the vilest of, the, of men, the grace of God can extend and reach out unto you and save you and set your feet on a solid foundation. Thank God for his saving grace. It is the grace of God that saved my dad who's now in heaven. It is the grace of God that saved my mother in an old-fashioned tent meeting by the Sammy Allen uh, just in south of Dalton, Georgia when she was a young teenage girl and got saved in that tent meeting along with an aunt that went forward with her. It's the same grace of God that saved my sister in a camp meeting in a youth camp service when she was just a preteen. It's the same grace of God who saved my brother while he was in jail in Dalton, Georgia and spent time in a youth facility. It's the same grace of God that saved my wife when she was a young girl and had made many false professions of faith setting her to dance church that morning that convicted her and brought order to salvation. It's the same grace of God that saved you and I this morning. Thank God for amazing saving grace this morning. How about it?
Do you know the grace of God? All my needs, he supplieth. Do you need his grace this morning? Are you facing circumstances beyond your control? Grace, the riches of his grace. Grace covers it all. Fathers, we bow before you. <clears throat> I pray your blessings. This time now as we consider praying and giving you the needs of our life. If there's one here that's lost or one that'll listen later on the internet that's lost, may the Spirit of God convict them, show them their need for salvation, and help them to be saved through faith in the grace of God. Bless now, supply the need. We ask in Christ's name. Preacher, if you'll come, take the invitation.